weeks. This morning, wrapping up Acts by looking at um, really sort of a summary of uh, everything that we've talked about in the Acts story, um, particularly the, the chapters we haven't covered are chapters 27 and 28. Um, there was a time when I really hated the way that the book of Acts ended um, because it just ends. It's like we're reading a story, and if you've read ahead, you already know it, um, and we'll see in a minute, but it, it's, you're just reading along, and, and you go to turn the page, and there's nothing left. It's like uh, I, there was a chapter or two missing, and they decided to go ahead and publish. Um, it's, it just ends. It's like watching a movie, and um, I don't know, the cable goes out, or your internet goes out, and you just don't get to see the end. That's what the book of Acts always felt like to me. Like it just ends. And um, so many questions that I, I didn't have answered in the way that the book ended. At some point, I came to really appreciate um, the ending of Acts and, and to, to realize that there may be a good reason. Uh, obviously, God has given us his word. There is a good reason for this. Um, I don't remember how I reached uh, that conclusion. Um, it may have been, and I'll give credit on the front end of this where it's due. Uh, there's a, a part this morning where we're going to talk about some church history, and I heard Matt Chandler preaching on this at some point, and I absolutely loved it. And so credit to Matt Chandler for when we get to that part um, of, of the story. Um, m maybe that's what changed my mind. I don't know. In, in the end, I, I think that the book of Acts ends the way that it does for a reason. And I think that reason is because the story isn't over. The story of Acts is not over. I, I, I think we are left hanging um, in the book of Acts here um, because the story continues and it continues through us. So I, I hope that's what we see this morning as we wrap up the book of Acts, uh, I want to pray and then for us to jump in. And I ask if you would pray with me. Uh, I ask this every week. Pray with me. The Lord hears all of our prayers. Um, and I can promise you what you need more than anything is for the Holy Spirit to do a good work today. Because I don't have much for you. So um, pray with me that the Lord would be good and the Holy Spirit would, I don't know, encourage us strengthen us, um, help us to be the people that he's called us to be. Would you pray those things with me? Good. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. You are good. And just the, the reality that we can pray right now and um, all of us praying, all of us with our own hurts, our own brokenness, our own needs, and you hear all of our prayers. Father, we pray together now as we come to your word that, that you would be good to teach us, that you would be good to encourage us. Uh, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would do all of those things. So, Holy Spirit, we, we pray that that would be true today, that you would do uh, mighty things in our midst, that you would take the story of Acts and the story of our lives and that you would help us to see how interwoven all of it is and, and, and in that, that we would be encouraged Encourage that life is so much more than we often think about it. Show us, each of us, uh, the stories of our lives, not just as the story of our lives, but as parts of your big story. Help us to see all of that today for, for our encouragement for sure. 
for the good of your people and for your glory, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, I, I want to start at the beginning. Um, the beginning and Acts is what my point is because um, Acts is not just a standalone, right? I used to think of the Bible that way. Each book of the Bible was just sort of a standalone thing, but it, it's not that way. The Bible tells us one big story, and Acts is a part of that big story. And so it's important for us to see um, the biblical and historical context, if you will, of the book of Acts. So I, I want us to back the story up before the story of Acts so that we can see God's work through history and how the book of Acts is a part of that bigger story. So bear with me. I know we've done this before going through the book of Acts. We're going to do it again because we want to summarize the book and, and put it all together. Um, in the beginning, when I say that, really we go all the way back to the beginning, to the book of Genesis, to our beginning, creation. God created heavens, stars, earth, everything that is God created. He created humanity, um, and he placed Adam and Eve in a garden, and he looked at them and said, this is very good. God walked with Adam and Eve. They, they communed together. They fellowshiped together. They had a deep and meaningful relationship. They, they saw God. They heard God. He spoke to them. They, they talked with God. It, it was what we were created for. They enjoyed that relationship, but not for long at least not for long, um, in the book of Genesis. Because uh, when we turn the pages from chapter 1 to chapter 2 and uh, into chapter 3, we see uh, everything take a turn. God had commanded Adam and Eve not to take the fruit of one particular tree. Uh, Eve, tempted by Satan as a serpent, took the fruit of that tree. Adam was looking on, and Adam took of the fruit as well. And when Adam took of that fruit, immediately everything changed. Sin entered into the world. The world itself was changed. All of creation was changed. But, but Adam and Eve were changed. Their relationship with one another changed. Their relationship with God was changed. Sin separated Adam and Eve from a holy and righteous God. God was not satisfied with that separation, right? It's not just the separation of Adam and Eve, but the separation of every generation and he every human being after Adam and Eve, all separated from God by sin. God, not satisfied with that, promised in Genesis 3.15 a remedy. He would send a serpent crusher, one who would crush the head of the serpent. When we turn the pages of the Old Testament, right, going through the Old Testament, and we have the law and the prophets, and over and over and over and over again, there are prophecies about this coming one, this serpent crusher, the one who would come and, and, and bring forgiveness, the one who would come and fix all of that brokenness. When we turn the pages from the law and the prophets, the Old Testament and all of those promises, we come to the New Testament and the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in those Gospels, we, we, we see the, the fulfillment of all of those promises. We, we, we see in the Gospels the coming of this one who was promised, and we read about his ministry. What is his name? Jesus, right? The, the, the hero of the story, Jesus came. Jesus came to bring God's people to the Father, to reconcile them, and, and to, to, to take care of this separation that existed because of sin. 
He did that, we see in the Gospels, in his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus living the life that we cannot live. He was perfect and holy and righteous. And where Adam failed and every man after Adam, Jesus succeeded in living that perfect and holy and righteous life. He did that on our behalf. Jesus died the death that we deserve. We see that after three years of ministry. Jesus was arrested, was um, sent to false trials, and ultimately he was crucified on a cross. He was crucified on a cross, the Bible says, taking our sins upon himself. The very wrath of God that we deserve because of sin was poured out on Jesus. The Gospels leave off shortly after the third day following his death. On the third day following his death, Jesus was raised from death, defeating death and sin and Satan. And when we trust in his work, when we trust in that life, death, and resurrection as a part of that bigger story of God, where God is redeeming us from sin and reconciling us to himself through Jesus and his works and not our own works... When we come to trust in that, the righteousness of Jesus is imputed to us. That's the word the Bible uses. It's granted to us. It is is credited to our account as if we ourselves were righteous and holy before God. In Christ, through faith, we are forgiven of our sins and we become sons and daughters of the King. They call them the Gospels because they are the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Um, the, the, the big story of Scripture, right? Uh, God redeeming for himself a people, restoring a people to himself. We, we see the big story, right? Creation falls, sin enters into the world. There is the promise of the coming one. Jesus is the promised one. And the way that we are reconciled humanly, the way that we are reconciled to God our Father is through faith in him. Jesus is the way. The good news is that he has come and salvation is available to all of us. And God has been carrying out this big story, uh, bringing a people to himself, growing a kingdom that one day our king, Jesus, will return and he will establish fully and finally. So Acts picks up where Luke's gospel leaves off. Luke's gospel leaves off with the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus had been crucified and raised. He spent time walking with his disciples, walking them through what had happened to him, how it was all a part of what was promised and prophesied in scripture, and he walks them through what is to happen next. We come to the book of Acts, and just before he ascends to heaven, he's with his disciples. Acts chapter 1, Verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were asking, Jesus, you have been raised from the dead. Is now, is this the time that you bring about the kingdom uh, of the Father? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You will tell others all about me, who I am and what I've done. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's how the story of Acts begins, as as even a continuation of the story that started 
in Genesis. Acts chapter 1, 8 serves as the outline for this great book, the book of Acts that we have been going through. And it, it tells us how Christianity got its start, how the church was, was founded, and how it spread throughout the world at that time. As we went through the book of Acts together, we saw the church uh, on the day of Pentecost getting its start. Just, just as Jesus had said, the, Jesus told the disciples that they should pray and wait. And when the Holy Spirit comes, they would be his witnesses. So they did what Jesus said. They gathered together and they prayed and they waited. And just like Jesus said, the Holy Spirit came. And when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit came dropping in with incredible power on those disciples and in Jerusalem. We read in Acts uh, chapter 2 that, that the disciples, they saw tongues of fire as the Holy Spirit came and, and the sound of a mighty rushing wind like a tornado. And it wasn't limited, I don't believe, to just that room hearing this. I, I, I think all of Jerusalem heard it and they were drawn because of what was happening to where the disciples had gathered. And, and the disciples now filled with the Holy Spirit, we read, they began to speak in tongues. All of these people gathering around them from all over the world, they begin to proclaim the gospel. That's what they're doing, speaking in tongues, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the people who are gathered from all over the world are hearing the gospel in their own language. Absolutely incredible. Peter spoke and he shared the story of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and he called on the Jews that day to, to, to believe, to believe that Jesus was the one who was promised, the one who all the prophets spoke of, to repent and believe the good news of the gospel. And on that day, the church was founded as 3,000 believed in that one day. The disciples continued proclaiming Jesus in the temple and in the synagogues, and the church continued to grow. In fact, it says in Acts chapter 2 um, that, that day by day the Lord was adding to their number. Day by day as they're telling others about Jesus, the church is growing. The Jewish leaders grew more and more uncomfortable with the, with the church and the disciples. There were false allegations being made against the disciples and the church leaders, and persecution begins to ramp up in the story of Acts. In Acts chap chapter 7, Stephen becomes the first martyr, the first known martyr of the church, stoned to death by the Jews because of his faith in Jesus. We were reminded when we, when we covered that, that, that being right and being a good Christian doesn't always end in worldly success. Sometimes it ends in our death. Peter was killed and the church was scattered. Persecution ramped up. Peter was killed and the church was scattered. But that was God's plan all along. The church moved outward being scattered. The church moved outward from Jerusalem. And the people who had, had come to Jerusalem for Pentecost, those people began to go home. And the church was moving outward from Jerusalem to Judea and from Judea, Judea to all of Samaria. The church pressed outward. And as it did, the main character outside of Jesus, the main human character, emerges and shifts to the apostle Paul. 
The Apostle Paul was a converted Pharisee. He was present at the stoning of Stephen. He was a, a major persecutor of the church. He sought to end the way of Christianity until he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. Paul, this converted Pharisee, had a deep love for his people, the Jews. Right? But he was called to not only share the gospel with the Jews, but to take the gospel to the Gentiles and even to speak the gospel before kings. Acts chapter 13 begins Paul's missionary journeys, the gospel moving outward, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, with the apostle Paul, the gospel is moving outward and into Asia and continuing westward. Paul went into new cities and, and headed for the synagogues, sharing in the synagogues with the Jews who were gathered there how Jesus was the promised Messiah, how he was the one that all the prophets had, had foretold of. And he was calling those Jewish people, his brothers and sisters, he was calling them to repent and believe the good news of the gospel. And many did. Many of them, hearing the gospel, believed, and the church was growing more and more, and the kingdom was expanding further and further. Many believed, and many did not. Many did not, and they grew angrier and angrier with Paul. From the synagogues, Paul would go to the streets. He would go to the, the town halls, town squares, marketplaces, theaters, wherever people would meet, wherever they would gather, that's where Paul would go. And he would tell anyone who would listen. He would tell them all about Jesus, who he was and what he had done. In Athens, in Athens, like in other places, Paul met and debated with some of the greatest minds of his day, some of the greatest theologians and philosophers. And though, though most of them did not believe Paul's story, though most of them did not believe the gospel, some did. Some did, and the, the church has continued to grow, filling up homes and, and, and planting new house churches and spreading from city to city to city. Not only did the churches grow, so did the hatred of the Jews for Paul, which is what we have seen over the last few weeks. And that hatred would lead to Paul's arrest, though he was guilty of nothing. Paul would have to appeal to Caesar as a Roman citizen just to keep himself from being killed by the Jews. Paul would spend years imprisoned, and that's what brings us to today. Acts and Paul's end, Acts 27 and 28. Acts chapter 27 tells us that, that Paul loaded on a ship that was bound for Rome where he would stand trial. The ship wrecks. Uh, a, a great deal of time passes uh, for Paul. He's, he's ultimately loaded onto another ship. Months later, he reaches Rome. In Rome, the Jews gather to give Paul a hearing and to make their assessment of what he is teaching. We read that some believe, but as a whole, they reject Paul's good news. Acts chapter 28, verse 28. Therefore, Paul said to the Jews, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Verse 30. He lived there in Rome two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. 
For two more years after Paul arrived in Rome, he was under house arrest. And for two years, they allowed people to come and speak to Paul. For two years, Paul preached the good news of, of, of the gospel, the good news of redemption and forgiveness and salvation through Christ, calling on anyone who would come, anyone who would listen, repent of your sins, he called them to repent and believe the good news of the gospel and follow Jesus. Trust in his work on your behalf, not your own works. For two years, Paul proclaimed the gospel in Rome to anyone that he could. Church history then tells us that after those two years, in about the year 65 AD, Nero had Paul taken down a road leading out of Rome and just outside of the city, the Apostle Paul was beheaded. My earthly hero murdered. But make no mistake, Paul was not silenced. Paul was not silenced, and, and he still speaks today. E even more important, uh, it, it, the gospel was not stopped, and that was the desire. The gospel was not stopped, and this story continues. Acts, the story continues. About 65 AD, Paul, again, led out of the city of Rome, was beheaded. Fifteen years later, in uh, about AD 80, Christianity spread further to the countries of France and Tunisia. Twenty years later, the first Christians were reported in Algeria and Sri Lanka. By A.D. 150, the gospel reached Portugal and, and Morocco and found its way to Austria in A.D. 174, followed by Switzerland and Belgium. In A.D. 328, the gospel reached again to Ethiopia, and the kingdom of God was growing. Almost 200 years later, Pope Gregory I sent Augustine of Canterbury and a team of missionaries to present-day England. And within the first year, more than 10,000 people were baptized. Praise God. In A.D. 635, the first Christian missionaries arrived in China. In A.D. 740, Irish monks brought the, the gospel to Iceland. In A.D. 900, missionaries reached the country of Norway. The gospel advanced and the church was multiplying. By the year 1200, the Bible was available in 22 languages. 22 languages of people around the world. In 1491, missionaries arrived in the African Congo with the first church located in Angola. A few years later, Kenya reported its first known Christians. Meanwhile, in Spain, Pope Alexander VI, Alexander VI wanted to send Catholic missionaries to evangelize the New World. As a result, Christopher Columbus took priests with him on his second journey to the Americas. In 1531, Franciscan Juan de Padilla started his mission work in Mexico City. By 1550, John Calvin was sending French Protestants to reach the people of Brazil. In 1640, Jesuit missionaries finally reached the, the Caribbean, landing on the island of Martinique, and the gospel was advancing to the ends of the earth. 
the early 1700s saw the rise of the Great Awakening in America, where both George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards stirred revival throughout the colonies. Listen now. One of those colonies was founded in 1732 by James Oglethorpe. That colony would become the fourth state to ratify the U.S. Constitution in 1788 and become what state? The state of Georgia. In 1806, settlers pushed deeper into Georgia and established a fort and a trading post named Fort Benjamin Hawkins. From that great fort, a, a community grew. In 1822, the city of Newtown was created. In 1823, Newtown would become the county seat and change its name to Macon, Georgia. Early Christian congregations, as the gospel continued to advance, early Christian congregations founded in Macon included Christ Episcopal, First Presbyterian, Mulberry Methodist, and, and, and both First Baptist churches. St. Joseph's Catholic Church was established in 1841. In August of 1907, August the 15th, 1907, in a tent, another church was born. Tabernacle Baptist Church. Tabernacle Baptist Church was, was born in 1907, a building constructed in 1917 on the corner of 2nd Street and Ash Street and under the, the leadership of Dr. A.C. Baker. In the early 1990s, a seeking, searching, miserable young man, like hundreds before him, found Jesus at Tabernacle Baptist Church. The Lord planted deep in his heart not just a love for Jesus, but a love for the city of Macon in middle Georgia. God gave him a burning desire to see others know the beauty of the gospel and, and, and a burning desire to see the city reached. I'm that guy. That radically transformed young man and his family met a church planter who, who would disciple him. For three years, he would serve as a volunteer at the almost all-black Macon Community Bible Church led by Pastor Lawrence Robinson. A after returning to school at the age of 30 and serving in several churches in various roles, the stirring of Jesus became clear. It, it was time to start a new church, a church in Macon, a church for the city, a church, a church in the city, a church in downtown. In January of 2008, with a handful of families and a desire to see the gospel transform everything within our reach, our city and the world, New City Church held its first weekly gathering at the Cox Capitol Theater. God was gracious and His Spirit is powerful and the gospel continued. In late 2010, knowing the need for a gospel-centered church in Milledgeville, New City Church Macon sent out about 25 people and a church planter, and New City Church Milledgeville was launched. Nine months later, in 2011, a group of about 50 people who desired to see a gospel movement in Warner Robins, about 50 people were sent out from New City Church Macon. Today, that church is healthy and growing, and the gospel is advancing in Warner Robins through New City people who now lead Sojourn Church. But that's not all. 
in the summer of 2013, Macon Community Bible Church, and that church-planting African-American pastor who discipled me merged with New City Church Macon, opening an even greater door for the gospel to advance in middle Georgia. There's more. I, I, I want to back up. I want to back up just a second. Um, in 1895, in 1895, the, the First Baptist Church of downtown Macon saw a need and planted a church on the other side of the river in East Macon. They planted a church in the mill village that existed right across from where the centerplex is now. That church would become Eastside Baptist Church. In 1970, Eastside Baptist Church, large and thriving, would plant a church in the growing area along Gray Highway. A church building would be constructed on the hillside overlooking what is now Gray Highway. Northridge Baptist Church was its name. That church, through the years, reached thousands of people with the gospel until in 2020 it ran out of steam. A handful of faithful church folks reached out to New City and asked us to help. In July of 2020, they made the brave decision to close their doors as Northridge Baptist Church and plant themselves as a new church with us. And that church is now New City Eastside. It gets better. When it was time for them to have their first lead pastor, many of them asked for one of our elders, one of our elders in particular, to take that position. And together we installed the first pastor of New City Eastside, who happened to be that African-American pastor who discipled that radically transformed young man at Macon Community Bible Church, Lawrence Robinson. And this morning, he is preaching the gospel to a whole different group of people who are reaching a whole different group of people just six miles away from us. And they are seeing new people come to, to love and follow Jesus. And the waters of their, their baptism are splashing. And the kingdom is growing. Now listen to me. You are not here by accident. You are here today as a part of that incredible story. From Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and from Samaria to Rome, from Rome to France and, and, and Tunisia and Algeria and Sri Lanka and Portugal and Morocco and Austria and Switzerland and Belgium to Ethiopia and to England, moving to the ends of the earth, to China and Iceland and Norway, to the African Congo and Kenya, to the Americas and Mexico and Brazil, and then through that revival spreading through the United States to a, to a distant state, the distant state of Georgia, to Newtown. The gospel had come to Macon. And, and, and faithful churches were reaching new people with the gospel. And as the city grew, more churches were planted. And the gospel continued. Downtown churches, South Macon churches, East Macon churches, New City Church. We are here today because this story continues. 
We are here today because God is not finished. And there are, there are more people and more peoples who need to hear the good news of the gospel. More people who will, who will believe. No, they won't all believe, but many will believe and, and join us in this amazing story. In a, in a few short months, New City Macon will move from this building to an incredible facility four and a half miles north of here. But listen to me. This facility will not be a place for us to park and rest. Do you hear me? We are not moving to a place where we can park and rest. Lord, may it never be. We are moving to an outpost we, we are moving to a new outpost with an incredible mission. It, it, it will serve as a training ground, an equipping center, a sending station where men and women and boys and girls will, will hear about Jesus and grow to love and follow him. And, and from there, they will go. We will go. We will go sent, sent out of that building and into our city and, 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 and I pray well beyond our city to continue this beautiful story to the ends of the earth. New City has people to reach. We have, we have people to reach with this beautiful news. We have, we have people to reach and we have churches to plant. We can't be finished because God's not finished. We have people to reach. We have churches to plant until our king returns. And, and, and here is ultimately what I think the invitation is from the book of Acts. Right? God, God is amazing. We see that in the book of Acts. He is amazing and, and, and powerful, and he is bringing about, he's bringing about this promise that he made in Genesis 3.15. He's bringing about the, promise that, the promises that he made through all of the prophets and all of the prophecies. His story is still unfolding, this, this amazing and, and incredible and beautiful story still unfolding. And his story has broken into your story. And your story, it, it was never meant to be just your story. You are a part of his story. And you are invited not to be a spectator. Listen, you're invited not to be a spectator who's sitting on the sidelines saying, go people, go team. You are invited, you are invited to be a major character in the unfolding of God's incredible story. He's calling, he's calling you to finish what he has started by advancing the gospel, by, 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 by sharing the beautiful news of Jesus and calling others to repent and believe. And, and as you do, he is inviting you, just like we saw him do with, with the disciples and with the apostles, he is inviting us to know him more deeply and intimately as we see the Spirit work in us and through us, making this story come to be. As we see God's story unfolding with us and in us and through us, God is, is inviting us not just to do, but to be with Him, to grow, to grow with Him. He's given us a mission. And He's, he's given us His Spirit, just as He did Paul 
and the apostles and those scared and uncertain disciples that we read about in Acts chapter 1 who had gathered together to pray. This is what we were created for. This is why we exist. This story. His story. God, I believe we want to be a part. I believe we want to be a part of that story. Would you pray with me? God, I do believe we want to be a part. Holy Spirit, would you remind us again and again that our story is so much bigger than the life that we often find ourselves living. Holy Spirit, would you help us to see the, the beautiful threads that the Father has woven together in our lives to see the, the beauty of how he has brought us here, the people in our lives, the things that he's done. Help us, remind us, remind us again and again and again. I pray, I pray, Father, that we would be encouraged today, encouraged by this incredible story. Encouraged as we see that life is, is so much more. Father, I want to see... I want to see that life. And I want to see New City Church a part of this story. God, not for, for my glory, not for our glory. We want to see lives changed. We want to see, we want to see the gospel change lives. That's what we want to see. We want to see the kingdom built. We want to see missional communities planted. We want to see churches planted. We want, to, we want to see people baptized, Father, week after week after week because they are coming to see Jesus and believe. Holy Spirit, we want to see what only you can do. So that is our prayer. That you would do what only you can do. That you would be gracious enough to let us be a part. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.